Hello, it's Brody. I love bringing mummification to you each week, and if you'd like to support me to keep doing that, you can make a once-off donation through the Acast supporter feature. There's no regular subscription, and your donation will help pay our music license, buy audio gear, and put fuel in my car so I can keep interviewing the amazing women who share their stories with us. There's a link in the show description and episode show notes. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Mummification. I'm your host, Brody Matner. This podcast is a space for women and parents to talk about how they're feeling. And sometimes they feel like swearing. So this episode may not be suitable for young ears. Before we start, I just want to say this interview was recorded over Zoom, so the audio is a little bit rough in places, but please bear with it because what these women have to say is really special and very enlightening. Shall we? Yeah, let's do it. We're warmed up. <laughs> okay, great. Everyone's warmed up and ready to go. Megan and Philippa are mums to three kids, Cinema, 11, Busky, four, no, Busky's eight, eight? Nine. <laughs> we even had to think about that. <laughs> and Fabs is four. That's right. Um, thank you for chatting with me. Pleasure. Now, we are all in Melbourne about a suburb away from each other, a suburb and a very big river away from each other. Um but we're recording via Zoom because all five of you have recently had COVID and we thought that we all had COVID, but we don't. Um, but how are you all feeling? <laughs> yeah, we're getting better. Much better, thank yeah. you. Yes. How was it with five of you down? Well, we all kind of were like a bit domino, like one, mm. two, three, four, yeah. five. So it kind of just slowly got through all of us. Thank um, goodness. Yeah, and the kids were really quick and fast and it was over so it was quite lucky yeah it hit me probably the worst and um it was like having a really bad case of tonsillitis mainly yeah Uh, now if if you were stuck on a desert (laughs) island and you can answer this separately if you were stuck on a desert island and you could take one meal one drink and one personal item what would they be um okay i'll go first um i've written these down uh my meal would be sticky chicken Right with rice, and my drink would be mango char time with pearls and lychee. What is it? Lychee jelly. This is very specific. So that was very cringe, actually. <laughs> um, and a personal item. So, um, would the family be with me? No. If they were, oh no, really? Okay. Would be a photo of them. Oh, that's nice. What if they were with you? Um, the paddleboard. mine's mine's probably pretty basic um i would take a pizza a bottle of gigi rosso my favorite red wine um and probably the a camera of some some kind dsl canon probably yeah okay i'm not sure why (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to take photos of all of the islands. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Why you dehydrate. <laughs> yeah, on my red wine. Um, now, when you decided that you wanted to have kids, what was the original plan for who would carry the baby or babies or did you know how many babies you wanted? Yeah. Yeah, the plan was that we would have two each. Okay. That was like the ideal. 
situation. Yeah. So yeah. We, we always wanted um, four children, <laughs> which was ambitious. We would both, yeah, have, have two, two biologically each. Yeah. And with one donor. That was our aim. Mm. Um, at the time, I mean, things didn't work out exactly no. that way. I but the same. <laughs> that's kind of it was the initial plan. And so that that plan changed. Yeah, yeah. well, it, I guess it changed after the after the birth of our first daughter. When our donor and very good friend um, decided that he didn't really want to have any more children at that uh, after cinema at that point in his life. Um, so that threw a bit of a spanner in the works. And so did you then, what did you, how did you decide what to do next? Well, I think we, after we got over the shock, um, we just put our heads together and said, okay, what are we going to do? Um, cause we still, you know, we wanted to have more children. Um, and then we just thought about, uh, another really close friend of ours who, said to us when um, we first met cinema that if we were ever stuck, he'd be here for us. And so we're like both of us thought, oh, we should um, get in contact with him. And so we did that. And was there a reason you chose to use friends over an anonymous donor? Oh, that's a good question. Well, yes, I, I guess for us personally, we wanted to give our kids the opportunity to know their other half. Um and, you know, a lot of um, same-sex parents choose the complete opposite to what we do, did. And we can, can I guess, um, understand why you would go down that path as well. Like it makes things a lot simpler. It's more about you and your family. And, you know, everyone has their reasons yeah. behind these things. But, but I guess for Phil and I, we felt like... Um, I mean, I didn't grow up with my dad in my life and I would have liked possibly the opportunity to have um, some kind of friendship with him, which I do have now um, as an adult. And Philippa grew up with her dad and had a really great relationship with him. So we kind of, you know, came at it from two different perspectives and, um, yeah, wanted to give our kids that opportunity to be friends with their dads, I guess, um, whether they're donor dads or, you know, Mm. We like them to have the opportunity kind. to, um, like, yeah, find out about, you know, where they came from and their history. And um, and we like the idea that our family would grow as well, mm. like not just us, but if the dads, mm. the, the donors, wanted to be more involved in our family, they could be. But we also said from the get-go, um, if it isn't for you, as we go along, that's fine too. We will navigate that at the time and, you know, things change and you don't know how things are going to work out. Um, and Meg and I have always tried to be as flexible as possible, you know, with each other when obstacles come up and the same goes for, you know, raising the kids and same with, you know, the kids' dads. And But, yeah, so, yeah, we just kind of like... We want to fit them to be involved, and yeah, um, I mean, and it worked out really well for us. Like even, um, you know, having two donor dads and our friendship and relationship with them, the and, and the kids' relationship with them has just grown, and you know, we love them even more. And you know, it's it kind of worked out with both of the guys. Like we couldn't have better men in our lives. Yeah, it sounds really amazing, and I'm I'm really interested to know how it works, I suppose logistics is the wrong term, um, but obviously the kids live with you the whole time and you're their primary parents. Yep. Do they call their donor dads dads? Cinema does call her dad dad the, and they call Jules Papa Jules. So Jules and his wife Ella have actually gone on to have a baby themselves so um, that's pretty special as well for the kids, so a brother from another mother. Um, so they know him as dad but would refer to him, like call him Papa Jules, I guess, is their name for him. Yeah. And, yes, they call Thai Ba Thai, yeah, um, which dad. is Vietnamese for 
that bad tie, I guess, is the translation. And did you have, like you said, things can change along the way, especially if they're, you know, if you if you do this with friends. Yeah. Um, did you have any kind of legal documents written up or anything official put in place or did you just go for it? Well, we definitely discussed that in the beginning with Ty um, and we decided against it. We thought, how do we know, like, how things are going to, you know, flow? We don't, we've never had children before. Um, there isn't, like, you know, a guidebook that we can um, refer to about what to do. So we just kind of based it on our friendship and hope for the best, really. Um, and we also did watch a documentary. A lesbian couple having a baby with um, one of their friends and they wrote up a contract and it was terrible. Yeah. Um, and they wrote up, some, you know, like the, the baby at six weeks would go to their friend's house and they'd start shared custody in that way and we're like, oh, I don't know if that's possible. But if it is, you know, of course we would kind of do that thing. But I don't think it's a good idea to write these things down yeah. um, when potentially not ready that yeah I think it just came it, it, for us personally it was pure, pure trust and just like even for the boys I think to trust that we would do the right thing and yeah and for us to put trust into the fact that they would as well and it wouldn't come down to money or custody or anything like that which some which a lot of the times it does I think a lot of the time it comes down to money like a lot of people that would even you know, talk to us about it or the boys about it would also, would kind of go, what if yeah. you end up paying child support, which was never part of our agreement with the boys. Like mm. they, we never wanted them to pay anything to raise the kids. In fact, we kind of felt like we should be paying them for the opportunity yeah, to let, you know, us be mums and do all of that stuff. So, yeah, a lot of the time it comes down to money, I, I feel, with contracts and agreements like that but mm. yeah um i'm going to ask you a really personal question yeah, go for it. and you ab- absolutely <laughs> don't have to answer it of course <laughs> um how did you get pregnant no we didn't no yes of course we would talk about that <laughs> no we did at home insemination um a little bit of very john waters off <laughs> off the grid <laughs> Um, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't go through IVF. Um, I guess we just didn't want to do months and months of, if we didn't have to, like, we were lucky enough, we didn't have to do IVF, I guess. So we did at home insemination, which I'm sure you're vaguely familiar with. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, um, it involves a syringe, sperm, and then the, do you want me to? <laughs> no, I can put the pieces together. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, we were lucky enough to be able to do it ourselves. But I think that's um, really nice. Like it makes it really personal and the whole, like the whole thing for you guys has been really personal because it wasn't an anonymous donor, it was your friend and it, yeah. and, and because of how you all interact as like an expanded family now. Yeah. Having that be how the kids were conceived. Yeah. I think that's really nice. Like it is, it's yeah. really personal. Yeah, it was pretty personal and lots of laughs, lots of cups of tea. Um, and also people, yeah. like we did go to a fertility specialist um, with me and they also said, you know, doing it home, home style, you're not going to be able to do it like the way we wanted to do it. Mm. We were like, we'll see. We'll see about that. We have three children. But also that's not for everyone either. Like it's the the thought of like doing something like that for a lot of same-sex couples is repulsive for them as well. So um, for us, like, yeah, I mean, that was, yeah, financially also, you know, less less of an impact. I mean, I guess we possibly would have looked at IVF if we completely couldn't do that ourselves. Um And eventually Phil did have some fertility issues and we weren't able to actually do it at home and we kind of made the decision that um, Paper Rock did Paper Rock Scissors for who would have our 
last child. <laughs> I just handed the baton over. Yeah, the handing the baton. <laughs> so, you know, I guess if that case, if that was the case when we were trying in the beginning with Philippa, we definitely probably would have looked at IVF. Yeah, we're um, lucky. Yeah, very so. lucky. Um, also, it puts a lot of, you know, dedication onto the boys mm. in that area. Yeah, it's a lot of work and commitment from them. It's pretty huge. What's the process for them if you go through IVF? I guess it's just about delivering sperm um, in a cup. (laughs) I mean, with cinema it was chaotic because my cycle wasn't regular and we were doing this crazy amount of maths to try and work out when was the best time to, um, you know, to try and conceive but with Meg, she was a bit more, like, um, regular and you could actually rely on, like, she'd come up on the ovulation sticks and stuff like that. So it was more reliable and um, I guess Jules, we, he knew when to come over and it was a bit more regimented, but, yeah, poor tie. <laughs> <laughs> and also we didn't know what we were really doing in the no, beginning either. the first either. time, yeah. So it took a while to kind of figure out the maths of it all I guess yeah 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 I guess it's it's probably the same as anyone trying for a baby but you have to actually kind of go hey I'm ovulating do you mind coming over tonight to (laughs) yeah well that's when the logistics comes in because they might have a test match or they might have a dinner party or they have actually lives yeah um and, you know, it may not match up with your ovulating cycle and <laughs> stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of working all of that out and being flexible for each other and, yeah, that kind of thing. Do your kids know any other kids who have two mums or two dads and do they talk to you about that or do they have questions? Yeah, like so our kids have grown up knowing exactly where they've come from, the biology behind it all, how they were made. Um, all of that kind of stuff. I, I think initially we really wanted to be part of those rainbow family communities and we did try, um, but it got a bit tricky. And I guess now that they're at school, occasionally there might be um, someone there who has two mums. Yeah. Um, it's probably not so much at our primary school, but some kids are transitioning and, you know, our kids are really quite politically correct, so they will kind of... Um, you know, talk to us about that and say, oh, this is what's happening and correct each other when they use the wrong term for how they're (laughs) they're classified. Um, But we have a couple of friends here and there, um, but not not, not as many as we really thought we would have. I don't know. And I think each child of ours have processed that differently or dealt with it differently. Mm. So that's been interesting to observe. Like the older two... I think like cinema wants to fit fit in in a way a bit more, and um, although she's very like a social warrior and she'll stand up, you know, for um, queer matters and against bullies and all that kind of thing. But I think she did try to struggle a little bit with her identity coming from queer family and not having that many around. Fabrizia, yeah. on the other hand, she is shocked that anyone would think she'd have a dad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I guess they just deal with it differently. and they do go through moments where they question stuff and say things like um you know recently Busby said to me oh you know I wish that um my dad lived with us and stuff like that and then I kind of said yeah but then it wouldn't be as much fun when you went over and visited Ella and Jules would it and he kind of thought about it for a second and goes oh no it actually wouldn't be as much fun so <laughs> Um, you know, stuff like that happens and they come out kind of saying the word dad, like it's, mm. it, and, yeah. and they come out wanting to, you know, know and question, it's all around them. Like, yeah. fa- like I still get asked if the kids can do Father's Day stuff and I always say, yes, they can, they know who their dads are. But that's a constant, you know, kind of thing because yeah, people well. get a bit confused about where they fit in and stuff. But the kids are very vocal about it, um, you know, whereas, like, this is my dad, these are my mums. Um, they're pretty adjusted, well-adjusted, I'd say, I mm. hope. Well, they're brought up in a system where it is very heteronormative and, yeah. mm. you know, even um, 
you know, we've got a lot of um, kids' books about same-sex families and all that kind of thing. But that doesn't, you know, like society is um, bent in that way. So, of course, they're going to, you know, question their family um, and their identity and, you know, why their dad doesn't live with them and all that kind of thing. And mm. they, you know, yeah, it's interesting. We've all had different kind of questions about it. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And for you two as mums, um, have you both heard of the term matrescence? No. So it's like um, adolescence but for mums, basically. So when you become a mum, it's the idea that you go through a huge um, transition. You go through a, a hormonal, mental, physical oh, yeah. transition. And then, you know, it's like when people say you don't just give birth to your baby, you give birth to yourself as a mum. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and so did you um, – I'm really interested to kind of hear from you guys what it was like for you – becoming mums when you carried and birthed oh, yeah, compared yeah. to when you didn't. But also it's tricky because like for, like I carried and birthed both our girls yeah. but it was different for me both those times. So yeah. do you think you both, both experienced some kind of identity shift after you had cinema? Yeah, no, definitely. And you know what, it, it is really – yeah, it's, it's been really different with each pregnancy and birth, 100%. Do you, and, and do you mean like what, what, what I experienced while Philip was pregnant, like how it made me feel? Well, so because Phil carried cinema first yeah. and then you carried Busky. So do you think that you experienced matrescence differently or again when you um, carried? And yeah, oh, for sure. No, compared definitely. to, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think also, like, um, it would have been so different if, um, for example, we decided or, you know, one of us didn't want to carry children. Yeah. Mm, yeah you know, yeah. like, oh, my God. It was just completely different. It's so cool that you took it in turns. I am really grateful. Well, I don't know if this is answering your question, but, um, you know, when, you know, I had cinema, um, I gave birth first and, you know, I was so grateful that I had because um, I felt like I could, um, not to take away from other mums who haven't given birth or anything, but I just felt like I was able to help Meg through the birthing, the labour a bit more and give her the strength that she possibly didn't realise she had that I knew she had. Because, you know, giving birth, um, you know, you go to a different part of your brain that you've never, ever used in your life, which is incredible. Um, and then actually, you know, obviously when you have the baby, then there's those euphoric hormones again. <clears throat> but actually when in labour um, or having those con contractions, you actually go somewhere where you've never been before. Mm. And having experienced that and then being at Meg's side, um, you know, when she was giving birth to Busky, I just felt like, you know, I was able to help in a way that, yeah, I potentially may not have been able to as well. Mm. 
Yeah, and also I think what's weird, well, not weird, <laughs> normal, normal in 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 our in our family anyway, um, was the fact that when you know I birthed my first child, I already had a toddler, mm. so you know I didn't get that really cool maternity leave break of going and having lattes with this newborn in a pram like we're doing toilet training and you would know this very well Brody at the moment yes you're probably um just through that now but it's tough so you've got a newborn baby and a toddler and it's like whoa so I kind of went from hero to zero really quickly and then um yeah that that was a bit of a a shock was it really full-on for you experiencing those hormones for the first time but as a as a second time mum yeah yeah I think so I think so yeah and then was it um I imagine it was different again when you had fabs yes yeah 100 percent um and also because the kids were a bit older then as well and we had a newborn baby so you know it was a bit going back to baby world again with kids that were a bit older, which was beautiful and really lovely to see them bond with this baby. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was completely different again. And then just going through, you know, not working again and putting everything on pause for a while as well. We we call it being in the driver's seat when you're giving birth and being in the passenger seat when you're the supporting partner. Um, and I would say personally being in the passenger seat was a lot harder than being in the driver's seat just for the fact of you you don't really know what's going on and it's all just so shocking. <laughs> you, go, you panic to a degree, whereas when you're in the driver's seat, you have no choice but to panic and just do it anyway. Um, but I found it more terrifying being in the passenger seat. Was that the same for you, Phil? You mean when she liked being in the yeah, passenger no, I, seat? Yeah, no, I said when I retire, I wouldn't mind being like a um, doula or um, a maternal health nurse <laughs> or something. I was like, I really got a great adrenaline rush out of it. Yeah, I don't think I was a very good birth partner at all. Oh, I was you quite were mortified fine. by it all, just going, is that what is meant to be happening? <laughs> It was fun. It was great. You got me those like nice warm packs to help me my um bits and pieces while I was on my little yoga ball. Yeah. Moaning, deep, guttural noises. It's so fun. <laughs> It was beautiful. I, I really loved giving birth and I was I felt really lucky with my two births. But what I really um loved was that when I was pregnant, I had someone say to me it was Claire Bowditch, but I'll probably cut that bit out because I've asked her to come <laughs> on the podcast. She she said to me, giving birth's amazing. You're going to love it. <laughs> and she was like the only person that said, and so it didn't stick in my head just because she was famous. It was like everyone else goes, oh, the birth. And yeah. I found it really empowering. I was like, I am yeah. fucking amazing. Push the <laughs> baby out of me. Yeah, I, th- I I wish I was that person, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, that was definitely not me. Maybe more you. Well, who was probably a bit more power woman like you, bro. But yeah, I was pretty <clears throat> stoked that I had this incredibly healthy little baby. Mm. I mean, it didn't. Yeah, birth was not. I loved, loved being pregnant. I loved the contractions where I went in my head with them. And it just a bit, went a bit pear-shaped after that, which was a shame. But, you know, cinema was fine and that really helped me through the next eight months. Also, I had a C-section and then did a V-back, just, just a bit of a shout-out oh, shout to all the V-back mums. How was that? Um, Freaking incredible. Really scary and I would choose a C-section if I had the choice again. But you've written up in history books. It's yeah. great. <laughs> you can do it. With with no drugs. Yeah, and she, but she walked in to be a C-section and she came by herself like the two days before, I think. Yeah, was two days right? before her C-section, yeah. Did you think about doing an emergency C-section? Well, they ask you and at the time I was like, 
no, I've got this. Um, because the midwives kept saying to me, you've got this, you can do it. And then the doctors kept saying, the baby's really big, you need to do a C-section. So it was really confusing, right? It was up, really confusing. Up until the very last minute. And then when I went into spontaneous labour, and I was already quite far along when I got to the hospital, and I thought, no, I can do this. This is not that bad. Anyway, she ended up being, so both of my um, babies were posterior. So it was extremely painful. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, in retrospect, it was probably a good birth, I guess, but it felt very brutal at the time and quite um, intense. So yeah, I did it. Um, and I, I, I said that I wanted to do it, but I, in retrospect, sometimes I go, I don't know, that C-section was really fun. <laughs> <clears throat> like, I think I'm the only person in history that really loved my C-section, Brody. <laughs> I loved the pattern. I loved them holding the baby up. I loved the baby going away for a little bit and then being re reunited with it. The whole process I found really quite lovely, but a lot of people are mortified by that. So yeah, It was like Fabrizia, the birth where you had that panic attack. Yeah, mm. yeah, I did. I had Just to have a glass of lemonade. Um, <laughs> glass After, of you lemonade. know, like the nurse reads all the risks that could happen. Oh. And I was like, no, no, <laughs> this is the wrong person to be reading. Yeah, she read me I was like, oh, 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 no. I can see Megan's the blood draining out of her face. Oh, God. So, wait, while you were in labour, they read you a list? Yeah. You can die, your baby can die, you both can die. Um, and then, yeah, and there was a whole list of them. I was like, oh, Jesus, she walked out, and then I had like full blown panic attack, Megan on my hands. And I was like, it's gonna be all right, it's gonna be all right. But I got a um lemonade, and yeah, I was back on track. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it didn't really bode well for the beginning of that, though. I was like, um, but apparently, that's what they do. I mean, most people don't remember, but that's quite normal to get those rights read your rights yeah you're just like yeah yeah get on with it yeah what else are we going to do now and so now that you know that you're not gonna you're not gonna have any more kids are you done are we out yeah, yeah. no we are we yes we're done we i guess we just want to put all our energy into our kids now i mean it would have been lovely to have had four but we just feel extremely lucky to have what we've got yeah, yeah. and also we're too old yeah too old. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not hard as, you know, Brady, just putting your career on pause and, you know, um, trying to do the juggle of daycare and just, you know, it's it's hard. How do you both um, feel about yourselves in terms of identity, like personal identity, now that you've become mums and you're, you're finished the birthing period? How do you feel? about your own identity? Oh, that's a mm. good question. Do we have one? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? We have actually just <laughs> recently started, we've been working on a um, photography project, project together that we've, you know, been needing to do something for years now. So we're kind of getting into stuff like that again, which is pretty yeah. cool. And also I think, you know, your identity is the kids for such a long time and still is like you worry about are they doing something are they doing enough i think um also you know we wanted to um because yeah like our time was very um centered around the kids and then our creative outlets were you know i do a lot of photography with the kids meg would do a lot of filming with the kids and um then we started doing um you know um, each year for their birthdays, we'd do a video a day in the life of, you know, them, and that we'd give them a video every year. And that was their birthday present. Um, They're such beautiful videos. Yeah, we just tried to do that kind of thing for a while because, you know, like we didn't have much spare time. So well, we may as well do something that incorporates them because we're hanging out with them all the time. And, we, you know, we want them to be part of this creative process as well. Um, so that, you know, that was good, but we, you know, get, did get to a point and, um, where we're like, we really need to be doing something independent of that as well. Mm. But it's just kind of breaking that, I don't know, pattern or, 
routine or trying to break something to create something new. Mm. Um, you know, it's a bit hard because we both work a lot. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, um, when we do have spare time, we want to be spending it with the kids and us together. So finding extra time or new habits mm. just takes a little extra. Yeah. I think I was really lucky in the fact that I never felt like I lost my identity with the kids. Like, you know how some people really struggle with that and just go, oh, I don't, I just really, I, I really loved, you know, when they were babies and being with them and I didn't feel like, I mean, sometimes it was extremely lonely and, you know, you feel like your friends don't want to hang out with you as much anymore. But I, I didn't feel like I completely lost myself in it, which was really lucky. What are you both most proud of as mums? Oh. Oh, of, of them or just in general, things that they do? However you like. Um, I'm most proud of the fact that we try to keep our communication open with them. I know something unfortunate happens <laughs> like I don't know like Busky accidentally spending hundreds of hundreds of dollars on some kind of digital game you know um so we see that as an opportunity to discuss you know I don't know um <laughs> about yeah what do we discuss gambling, gambling or, you know we bring up topics and you know why that isn't great what can we learn from that or you know like rather than just panicking and just shoving it to the side it's it's the same um with anything like the kids know about you know menstrual cycles they always have like it isn't a shock busky knows all he's so well-rounded about that sort of thing um and i'm kind of like really proud of that we're always we're always open to discuss um everything so things aren't as hard even when we what what did we watch recently as a family we decided we watched the squid games <laughs> not with the four-year-old um but with the other two because we thought you know what they're going to be watching it without us so we may as well watch it together and yeah we, you know we hit their eyes if it was a bit too intense but we were able to discuss things openly with them and we just said you know the blood is just like strawberry jam and they just be like, oh, there's a lot of strawberry jam. Um, so, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of proud of that situation that we have and we talk about stuff and that was a big thing for me. I didn't want things, I just wanted them to come to us if they had issues or we mm. felt able to speak with them about topics. I didn't want them, I, I didn't want too many secrets. I wanted them to know about um, sex and why you hug people and why you don't hug people or that kind of thing. And I think also you get proud of them when you hear, because at home obviously they're rat bags most of the time, and then, you know, when they go to school, you'll talk to their teachers and at our school all of the faculty know our kids and love them and talk so highly of of them and how they're politically correct and, and funny and um you know good people kind and and I guess that makes you really proud because that's when you go wow I'm I'm actually doing an okay job here because you don't know half the time you go am I and you know we we go full-blown soccer mum yelling from the sidelines um basketball (laughs) mums screaming where the kids are can you please stop yelling um you know, stuff like that. You can't help, but it makes you proud when they kick a goal or, you know, learn a new skateboard trick or catch a ball. Yeah, they make us proud all the time. They're pretty cool people. And so what's something empowering that you would say to other parents? <laughs> what's something empowering you would say to other parents? Um, I would say go outside. Get outside oh. when it's hard. Go outside. Yeah. When you're finding it hard or if the kids are finding it hard. Go outside. Change location. Go outside. Oh, that's a really good one. Just because that that helps me. So I guess mine would be enjoy when you're like the funniest person in the world because 
because eventually <laughs> they say stuff to you like, oh, my God, that is so cringe. Cringe. <laughs> <laughs> and I might, mine's a bit convoluted. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I always kind of like, yeah, it's a huge ramble, hope not. Um, but, you know, when you first have a baby and they're constantly having these milestones and you always feel like you're at least eight steps behind their you know, mental growth spurts. I was just like, it was constant when there were newborns and babies and then toddlers, but it just doesn't stop. Mm. And like, I think at one point, you know, remember someone saying to me, at three months, things just become easier. And I remember three months hit and I was like, this is fucking not getting easier. This is not easier. And then I realised, this is just how it is. (laughs) And once I chilled out about that, I was just like, oh, cool, okay. Well, it's just kind of like getting to know your child and that's just the journey of having children. Like you don't come out knowing them, but, yeah, get out when it's too hot. <laughs> get outside. Get outside. <laughs> um, there, was a, there was this, oh, because that's, that's kind of the wrap, isn't it? That's the wrap. That's the wrap. I was also going to say earlier, like, when, you know, when we were talking about, um, like, same-sex families and stuff, like, it's so interesting because you become the brunt of so many jokes, as you can imagine, like mm-hmm. to your face, behind your back, like, um, and it's, I was just going to say, like, you know, when we were talking about the, that how to make the babies and stuff, mm. just in general, say, like, you know, um, our journey as a same-sex family, you get very used to being the brunt of many jokes, whether they're to your face or behind your back and, you know, it, it's kind of like that's just kind of what happens, especially earlier on. Like it kind of gets easier. So I was just going to say to a lot of, you know, same-sex families out there that um, it does get easier and better as the kids start to go through school. Like people are less interested in how you made the baby. Mm. You know, the school community gets better. Like there's less dads staring at you for a really long time <laughs> to the point where it's a bit awkward. You go, yes, I am a lesbian, sir. Um, you know, there's... <laughs> but that's so awful that that's been your experience. Oh, yeah. 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 <clears throat> oh, yeah, it's 100% yeah. the experience. But it gets it gets better, bro. And, you know, like I guess it's a bit of a journey too that um you know you get you get a bit tougher as well um but i think the school community just gets better with it well they get to know you and they're more um distracted with their own crazy family life you get you get less questions of so when they say mum how do they know which one they're talking to (laughs) (laughs) but anyway i just did want to add that because you know, like we've talked about so many positive things and that it is tough, like especially mother's group and stuff. Like I joined Phil's, um, so I was like kind of that random dad that, you know, um, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know the random dad. Yeah, you know that, that dad that turns up. Um, you know how they always check boy babies, their testicles, because they go inside themselves? Oh, I don't because I've only had okay, girls, but okay. So you know how they do the hip thing a lot more with the girls? Yep. For boys, they are always grabbing their testicles. Um, and the maternal health nurse explained it to me, like their testicles can go inside themselves. So this is one something to talk to Leith about tonight. <laughs> and I was quite mortified going, What? What do you mean? They can go in to themselves. Anyway, so I was constantly um, checking always a little, not, not checking, but a little bit paranoid about that. So one time when I was changing Busky's nappy, <laughs> he's probably been mortified at this. <laughs> I thought his testicles were really small and I was like, Philippa, his testicles have gone inside, inside him. And I was really stressed out and I looked on Google and I typed in <laughs> testicles inside and and then I I realised that, oh, he's just cold and his testicles had shrunk. We had no idea. And I was like, oh, my, because I looked so different. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, 
like, that's right. They look like walnuts. Yeah. <laughs> so I typed in walnut looking testicle. Anyway, so <laughs> so anyway, I, I thought that was a really funny story to share with Phil's mother's group. So I was telling them about it. And then one of the mums turned around and said to me, well, I guess you haven't seen really any penises or balls, so you wouldn't really, you wouldn't really know what they were meant to look like. And I got so offended and pissed off at this point, and I was like, I've probably seen more penises than all of you women put together. <laughs> and, and they all just stopped talking and stared at me, and I just went, oh, no. That's oh. hilarious. <laughs> and, yeah, it was at an Armadale's mother's group. Um, they weren't impressed and it was really embarrassing. So, yeah, you know, there's stuff like that that constantly happen where people just presume to know things as well and you couldn't really mm. talk openly about mm. it. And, like, that that was really tough because, yeah, you just feel so, like, yeah, out of it. And I guess that's probably when we should have been doing Rainbow Family stuff just to fit in a bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that that side of it was tough in the beginning, and just a lot of stupid questions, stupid comments, like especially going like when you're pregnant and going through the hospital system. So I guess we didn't talk about any of that, and I felt like how what can we can we touch life. on can we touch on that? What yeah. it was like for you going through the the hospital system as a lesbian couple? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't really what else will we say about it It was tricky like you do get treated a bit i don't think you got treated very well like cinema's 10 now and like things have really progressed like they've got as i said kids transitioning at their school and stuff and all this like some people are so much more politically on board whereas everyone was a bit like oh (laughs) to us in the beginning um and you know it was like a decade ago It, it was really tough um, back then, and you were the brunt of a lot of shitty jokes and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, if you wanted to add that, or maybe that's a bit too negative. I don't know. No, I think it's I think it's good to have in there because you know that's that's really different to my experience as a mm. hetero couple. Like, yeah, I would have had no idea what that had been like for you. Yeah, mm. no, it was a bit shitty at times. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of feel like I'm better equipped to deal with stupid things like, so who's the mum and who's the dad? <laughs> you know, stupid. But we just don't get stuff like that anymore. Like occasionally you do have to go through, you know, the basics every time. But, yeah, I think it's got an easier. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so there is, there's, you know, obvious homophobia, but also just, I think, not even intended sometimes just being, you know, um, yeah. Ignorant. Ignorant. Yeah. Mm. Thoughtless. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Can I ask, was my conception question? No. Ignorant no. and also. No. <laughs> Wait, yeah, go on. Go. No, 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 I'm, 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 I'm genuinely asking if that was because I suppose – when something is done differently to how you've done it, well, no, I won't put it in a third person. When Because you guys conceived differently to how I conceived, I was curious about it. Yeah. But is that – is me asking that – offensive isn't the word I'm uh, – well, is it offensive? No, because I think the way that you wanted to know was about um, – you know, I guess like you've talked to other women on your podcast. Yes, I have been listening to your podcast <laughs> about their IVF journeys and stuff yeah. like that. So I feel like that's the same. Yeah, and, and I find that stuff interesting anyway. Yeah, and you weren't doing it <clears throat> in a gross way or a derogative way. We weren't. We weren't a joke. You know, no, what I mean? no, like no. it came from a. How, how did you make your babies? And I, I really loved that. And we love talking about stuff like that. Yeah. No, and I actually, I I really loved your answer because, like I said it feels really in line with how you guys parent with your donor dads. Like yeah, you've done it all together. Yeah. It's. Yeah. <clears throat> no, yeah, you're exactly cool. right. That's exactly yeah. how it is. I'm sorry if we rambled. No, you guys were awesome. It was so good. Thank really? you. Yeah. Oh, really? I loved it. Yeah. I was like glued to you. It was. Yeah. Oh. Really? I think yeah. I've gone a bit off track. <laughs> There's one question that 
you we'll want. We'll see how it ends. Thank you so much, Meg and Phil, for sharing your story with us. There are links in the show notes to the Rainbow Families website and the Rainbow Families section of the Raising Children website. Both these sites have heaps of information and resources for LGBTQI plus families, and I encourage all non-LGBTQI plus families to also have a read and educate yourselves. Mummification is produced and hosted by me, Brody Matner. Our beautiful music is composed by Ben Talbot Dunn. If you're enjoying the show, please rate, review and subscribe. You'll be notified when a new episode is released and it helps us reach new audiences, which in turn will hopefully help more women feel less alone. Thanks for listening. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.